Hello and thanks for downloading or streaming this podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This is the August edition of In Conversation With. My name's Andy Carter and with me today is Gabrielle Janzio. Hi, Gabrielle. Hi, Andy. Every month we chat to the leader of the council, Councillor Steve Siddons, or another member of the cabinet to find out more about what we are doing across the borough and an update on activity. Welcome again, Steve. Thank you. This podcast is also your chance to ask questions of our political leaders. So if there's a burning issue or query you have, you can send it to us via email. The address is podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk. You can also visit the podcast page on our website, scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts. As well as your questions, this month we're going to chat to Steve about the Euros, the potential for a new town council for Scarborough and how we are all standing firm six months on with the people of Ukraine. But Steve, let's start with an issue that we talked about last month, but we can now bring an update. And that's the devolution deal for North Yorkshire. And since we last um, spoke to you on the podcast Uh, You've had a morning out um, at the National Railway Museum in York. You've met the minister and signatures have been put on paper um, to secure this deal. So can you just bring us up to speed on on what what that means and where we are now? The 1st of August meeting was a formality in the sense that the minister came to sign the documents with uh, the two leaders of York and the new unitary North Yorkshire. And a number of us were there to, uh, to witness that. Uh, I suppose it, it starts the process and uh, and we, we're moving into the next phase now, which is to talk about the deal that, that we will get. I mean, people will remember that originally the whole idea of changing governance in North Yorkshire, the way that the councils are run, was based around the idea that the government were wanting to um, give us a devolution deal. In other words, give us some extra money to be able to spend on uh, specific services such as transport, things things that affect the whole area rather than things that are specific to our own locality. Um, I think from a personal point of view, I, I've been involved in this discussion for probably two years or more now. And originally, uh, the amount of money that we were being offered was higher than what we seem to be ending up with now, which is disappointing. But I'm reliably told that um, that this happens in in a number of uh, devolution deals, and that that it's flexible, and that over time we will probably get more money. And I hope that that's true. Uh, obviously, we're in a, a pretty difficult situation financially at the at the moment, and uh, that is bound to have an impact on that. But I think. The headline figure is that we we hope to be able to get round about twenty five million pounds a year for the next thirty years to spend on on specific things that affect the whole area, um, and I, I hope that uh, when a new mayor is elected, because that's part of the devolution deal, uh, that's a mayor for the whole of North Yorkshire and York, uh, we will see some of those changes come come into effect. So it'd be great to see better transport links with the coast. It would be great to see more green um, uh, opportunities arise and uh, and so on. And uh, I look forward to the benefits that those things bring. And I, I, I genuinely hope that, that 
that does happen uh, as we as we move into the next phase of uh, of this devolution project. The headline figure, of course, is five hundred and forty million pounds, which sounds mm. great when you read it on a press release. But some critics of that say, well, five hundred and forty million pounds over thirty years, twenty-five million quid every twelve months, isn't isn't going to make a huge amount of difference here. How, how do you react to those kind of um, that that feedback or that challenge back from people? Well, I, I think it's a fair comment, is that, and and that's what part of my disappointment. There are other pots of money that um, that previously were handled by government that hopefully we will we will have more influence over, uh, and we'll we'll have to wait and see how that works. I think my biggest disappointment with this is that we uh, apparently are not being allowed to borrow money on uh, on this devolution deal. If you, if you look at Teesside, the the mayor of Teesside actually got a similar deal to us. Uh, I don't have the exact figures, but it was a similar deal. But what he did was he borrowed money on that basis. So if if you think of it as a household income, you, you're getting £25 million a year for the next 30 years guaranteed. Let's borrow a huge chunk of money and use the £25 million to pay that back. So I think, I think from memory, he borrowed about £600 million and and you can use 600 million uh, much more effectively i think than 25 million pounds a year which you rightly say doesn't amount to a great deal in terms of public spending and um, i mean he bought the airport in uh, in teesside and and they've formed a free port and done other things so big ticket items really and i think my disappointment is that that we apparently won't get that and i don't know why why that is the case um, not every devolution deal gets the ability to to use the money in that way, um, and uh, other people will have to explain that to the public. Uh, I I just honestly don't know, but it, it's that that's probably my biggest disappointment with this. And I, I I agree with with people who say it's not actually a great deal of money when you spread it over the whole of York and North Yorkshire. The devolution deal is also linked to um, local government reorganisation in North Yorkshire. As part of that, there's been a lot of talk of what's called double devolution. Bit of a, a complicated phrase there, but just to explain that means the devolution deal that we've just heard from Steve with the um, elected mayor, but then also trying to extend some powers down to the parish and town councils in our area. Scarborough and Harrogate currently don't have a parish or town council. So there's currently a community governance review that's consultation for which is underway, which will look at whether there is a, a need and a want amongst the local public for a town council for Scarborough. Are you able just to tell us a little bit more about Steve and perhaps your thoughts on that? The community governance review, which is people will be getting leaflets about this hitting their doorsteps any day now, sets out what this means in terms of democracy. The idea is that, uh, as many people may know, the town of Scarborough and the town of Harrogate do not have a parish. So, so many of you will know that if you live in a village or you live in Whitby or Filey, that there is a town or parish council uh, which deals with mainly low-level things, uh, small items, and, and it's a team of volunteer councillors who, who largely do that. For historic reasons, Scarborough and uh, Harrogate have not had one. And the the offer on the table is that if the 
if the public who live in in those areas, they will be given the opportunity to to vote uh, for whether they want a town council or not. I, f- I find it interesting actually because we were all sold this idea of a unitary council on the basis that we were going to cut layers of bureaucracy. And here we are talking about adding a new layer before we've even cut the previous layers. I think also when I read through the leaflet that is dropping onto people's doorsteps, uh, I'm a bit concerned uh, about the way this is being played. Personally, I don't like the idea of a town council. I think it's unnecessary. I think it's an additional layer of bureaucracy. And much of the way this is being sold is that local people will be able to have more say in specific things in their area. And and I, I read from the leaflet and it talks about such as sports facilities, allotments, litter bins, off-street parking, community centres. Well, these are already things that are provided for by by your borough council and or, or your county council. And to add another layer into this just seems a bit counterintuitive. But to make matters worse, we're all going to have to pay extra for this because, because we're going to get what's called a precept. Now, I'm, I've got a bit of an issue with this word because... For, for the vast majority of people, I know what a precept is because I'm a local government person, but, but for the majority of people, they might not know what a precept is. And it talks about this will be paid for by a precept out of your local council tax. What it doesn't tell you is that that precept will be an additional charge on your council tax. And from previous examples of this, we're talking about maybe £100 a year, maybe a bit more. So... Am I right in thinking that actually some of these services that we're already paying for, we're going to be charged extra money to continue paying for them on the basis that we can have some kind of say in how they run? Well, you've got a say in how they run now. It's called a local election. People need to be very aware uh, at what they're voting for. Uh, I'm not sure you're going to get a lot of benefit from this, but you're certainly going to have to pay more money for it, which just at the moment is probably not news people will want to hear. I suppose we should say, though, that uh, we would encourage people to take part in that consultation, wouldn't we, Steve, and uh, make sure that yes, their I, views are, are recorded I, either I, way. You're right, absolutely right. I, I absolutely agree that, that this is something people should consider uh, and have the opportunity to vote on. People may disagree with me and think, actually, no, I don't mind paying a bit more money if I've got a, a little bit more of a say in where my car parks are used and whether my grass gets cut to five millimetres or seven millimetres. So, um, you know, it's for people to decide. But I think the important thing here is that they need to be aware of what this means. And I'm not sure that the brochure that's come out is absolutely clear about that. I want to just ask you for some quick reflections on, um, A, the success of our amazing Beth Mead, formerly of Whitby, uh, who, and along with her colleagues, had an amazing uh, result success in the Euros. And um, so much so, we are looking to plan to bring Beth or invite her into Town Hall for an, a, a kind of formal recognition of her, of her success. You issued a statement to the media uh, since we last spoke to you, Steve. Um, so let's just get your thoughts on, on Beth's success and the role model she kind of sets for young women and girls across our borough. It, it is. It's it's absolutely fantastic what's been done, and uh, and I think Beth uh, uh, is 
is another good example of how young people can can really change uh, their life prospects and, and do great things. And and I think we were talking a moment about ago about sports facilities uh, in the borough. And I think it's important that we have good facilities for people because not everyone is academic and uh, not everyone needs to be academic. And I think that Beth has shown that that her skills have uh, have really pushed her further and further uh, up, up the ladder of success and and created a uh, something that other young people will hopefully aspire to. And and I think it's really important that we do recognise that. And I, and I look forward to to meeting Beth and, uh, and and having discussions with her about, about how she got where she's got and seeing whether there's anything more we can do uh, as a council to ensure that all young people and, and older people for that matter get the opportunity uh, to be the best at whatever they can be. And uh, and I think that's really, really important. I don't want anybody left behind in this. So um, well done, congratulations, and uh, and I look forward to meeting you. And as if proof is not needed that the issues that we talk about on your podcast, Steve, are diverse, let's end before we move to your questions on the issue of Ukraine. And again, since we last spoke to you uh, in August, it was Ukraine Independence Day, sadly marking six months as well since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Earlier in the year, full council agreed to sign a document to uh, show our solidarity as a borough with the people of Ukraine. That document now lives. It exists in a physical form. It's been signed by yourself and all group leaders. Why do you think it's important that six months on, we still uh, want to make sure the people of Ukraine understand we're, we're with them uh, in spirit as well as in solidarity? I think it's really important. The, these things have a habit of, of disappearing off the agenda because something uh, apparently more important comes to the top of the news headlines. And um, and I think that it's it's really important that we continue to support the people of Ukraine and, and the people who live in adjoining countries who, who have been really um, amazing at helping them. I I had the opportunity last week to go out to Romania and I was uh, I was involved on the periphery of understanding what's happening out there. And I think that um, the thing that struck me was that everybody uh, you, you talk to is is appalled by what's happening everybody wants to try and do what they can do however however large or small and and the number of volunteers who are out there doing great work and helping people and supporting people who let's face it are going through um, a period of the life that none of us can really imagine and i think that when it comes to the uh, signing the declaration, which, which some people might see as just a, a piece of paperwork and photo opportunity, it's not intended to be that at all. It's intended to be a recognition that we've not forgotten about Ukraine. We're still keen to do whatever we can. And it forms the backbone of, of everything we do. We want to help people. That's the whole point of a council, is here to help people and support people. And if we can support our friends and colleagues in the most awful circumstances that they're in, then whatever we can, we will do. The document is just a recognition that all leaders uh, of all political parties in this council are supportive of that view, and we'll continue to do whatever we can to support people. 
welcome on to the time during the podcast when we come to your questions. And we'll start with the question from Lorna, and um, Lorna's from Scarborough. So does the council's vote of no confidence in the DBID mean an end to an organisation which is despised by many businesses? The simple answer to that, Lorna, is no, <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. Uh, the DBID is a, is a company in its own right. And whilst the council acts as in a in a legal capacity as a as a collector of the of the precepts that that actually uh, requires um, for businesses we don't have any any control or say over whether the DBID exists or doesn't exist um, I think I think what we have to recognize is is that the DBID area it's quite unusual in, in my small experience of DBIDs is that the DBID here is quite geographically large and um, and I think it's very difficult for them to please everybody all the time. I, I know that from personal experience but the vote of no confidence uh, is is really an expression of members at their frustration that DBID doesn't seem to have delivered as much as maybe people had hoped. And, and I hope DBID listen to that uh, argument and uh, and do something about it in in their last couple of years uh, of uh, of existence. I don't know what will happen when the DBID ends in eighteen months to two years time, um, but I, I guess that they've got the opportunity now to show that actually they they can make a difference and that the money that businesses are spending on their their precept is is well spent and and it's over to them to really do that. Um, now on to a question from Stuart who lives in Filey. Um, in future our town will be lumped in with FIRSC when it comes to decisions under the new arrangements for the single unitary council. Do you Steve share his view that the changes to local government are a unnecessary and b nothing more than a takeover by the county council? Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it, Stuart. Uh, I couldn't possibly comment. I think that we all on the Yorkshire coast have something that in, in, that works together. We, we've all got we've all got something in common, and and I I struggle like Stuart to understand what the the commonality between Filey and Thirsk is uh, in 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 terms of how local government is operated. Um, Unfortunately, that was the government's view. That was how they decided that the way they wanted to split the the new unitary up was based around uh, constituencies, M MPs' boundaries. So you you've got the MP for for Filey, Moulton, and Thirsk, uh, who is one area, and the MP for Scarborough and Whitby is another area, and that's that's why it's been split up in that way. I think it would have been better if it had been split up. Uh, so that all the coast coastal areas were together. Whether it's a takeover of uh, county council, um, I'm sure they would say absolutely not. Uh, but you know that's that's for the listener to to make a decision on. If you look at the list of uh, members who were who were on the new unitary authority, and you look at the list of the members who were on the old county council, there's probably some similarities there that. Uh, that, that, and, I, and I hope that 
the mindset of those those members uh, will will be focused on on the new opportunities that the unitary will hopefully bring, and I'm sure they will. Uh, so uh, let's hope that uh, Stuart's Stuart's concerns are ill-founded. Thanks, Steve. Um, we now move on to a question um, posed by Liz from North Bay in Scarborough. Is a hotel on the site of the former indoor pool the best use of the site? And we know there's been quite a lot of chat about this lately, Steve, yeah. so it'd be good to uh, get your thoughts. Well, I think it is. If Liz looks at, and I'm sure she has, if she looks at the the master planning work that we've done for the North Bay. So we, we after, after we ended the contracts with Benchmark, we decided to look again to refresh uh, the views of what we wanted to see on the North Bay site. And the public were, were very heavily engaged in that. And thank, thank you very much for everyone who, who responded to that. And from that, we came to the conclusion that um, a range of, of fairly um, natural adventure type facilities was the best solution for the North Bay, keeping it in it, it's the same format that it is now very much. But as part of that, uh, there was a clear requirement for us to have uh, a high-end hotel uh, somewhere in that area. And that, that site, uh, which was the old swimming pool, was seen as, as a good place to put that. It, it's located close to the North Bay. It's not part of the North Bay master plan specifically, but, but it's close enough to have uh, an impact. So, for example, uh, people coming to the open air theatre or coming and doing things in, in the North Bay, the new activities that will be there. Uh, there will be some people who want to stay in a hotel of that type. And, and I welcome the diversity of that. I think there's some <clears throat> some great hotels and guest houses in Scarborough uh, and they cover a range of opportunities for, for different people and different people's budgets. And, and that needs to continue. But I think it is fair to say that uh, that we don't have a great deal of high end hotels and, and there are some people who would maybe come here that that don't come here because of that. And, and their spending power is such that, you know, we should be welcoming them and uh, and giving them the opportunity to come here. And then that gives residents and, and other visitors alike other other commercial opportunities. It, you know, we're, we hopefully get more restaurants, we get more more other facilities for people to take advantage of. So it, it's a bit of a catalyst, really. Uh, so I welcome it. I think that the uh, the business that is planning to build a hotel is a local business. It's firmly rooted in this area. It, it's passionate about this area and it wants to see it succeed. It, this is not uh, a national or international company that just sees it as another opportunity to make money. And I think people will hopefully when they see the plans as they as they formulate and, and as, as we get to planning stage, we'll we'll welcome what's on offer. It, it's another opportunity for for people to take advantage of in, in this great town of ours. As you say, thanks Steve, it all relates to supporting and promoting um local business um, and extra development of the economy, which is is a win-win really. Um, our last question which we'll move on to is Paula from Whitby. So, Steve, it's a part of a personal one for you, this question. What are you planning to do when you step down from local politics next year? Is there a new hobby or interest in the pipeline? 
I would like to travel more. Um, I think one of the difficulties of, uh, of being leader of the council is that you you can't get uh, a lot of time off or, or even if you do, uh, you're always at the end of a phone or an email because something or some crisis always happens when you decide to take a day two off. I, I'd like to travel more. My wife and I uh, love traveling and, and we want to have the opportunity to see more of the world and um, in in whatever time we have left to do that. And um, and that would be, be our, our main focus, I think, spending time with our children, spending time with family and uh, and not thinking about politics. Uh, I think that that would be be my my main uh, main aim. And I can say this now publicly, I will be not looking to join any town council if it's formed. <laughs> You heard it there, listener. No chance of Steve returning to uh, even uh, small-scale local politics in the future. But anyway, thanks for answering your uh, questions there, Steve. Um, We'll wrap things up now, but before we go, let's quickly look ahead to next month's edition of this podcast. Once again, Steve will be taking your questions. So if you have something you'd like to ask, please email podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk along with your name and where you live. If you're feeling really brave, you're welcome to record your question as a voice note on your smartphone or smart device and send it in as well if you've missed any previous episodes of this podcast then go to scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcast you can download or stream all of our content on the page there and next month we'll also be asking steve about our better homes project and the final version of the filey investment plan in the meantime though thanks once again for listening to the podcast from gabrielle goodbye steve Goodbye. And me, Andy. Goodbye. For more news and information about the services we provide, visit scarborough.gov.uk. Scarborough.